Michelle. Hi, I'm Caitlin. Welcome to Better Words. Hi, everyone. <laughs> Hi. We're in different countries. It's amazing. We're in different time zones. The magic of technology. Yeah. <laughs> this is amazing. It's been nice. We've been catching up. Um, before we've recorded. Yes, actually the first time we have spoken apart from on Facebook Messenger mm-hmm. um, since we left the country. So, yes. yeah. It's, it's been, um, I feel like I've been here forever. Like, literally people have been like, oh, so when did you arrive? And I'm like, oh, it's been like two days. But, yeah. yeah. Already such a local. <laughs> I'm just born to be there. The best thing about being here is that the plane trip is over, but the best thing about being on the plane was that I had like hours and hours to watch movies, which was good. Please tell me you watched a lot of movies. I actually didn't because I did try to stop. <laughs> oh, sorry. I'm I tried disappointed. To I know. But we also had like a 10.30 p.m. flight out of Australia. So it literally was the middle of the night and we had been awake all day. So I was exhausted. Um, and as you know, 10.30 p.m. is very much past my usual bedtime. So I kind of fell asleep almost as soon as we got on the plane, actually. No, I watched one movie and then I sort of fell asleep and really tried to stay asleep. Um but you know what that's like on a plane. And also I started reading, I started rereading Harry Potter and the Order of the Phoenix for the first time ever. Um, <laughs> so I tried to read that sort of for a bit before I got tired and then watched a movie with the idea that I would go to sleep. So, yeah, I, try, I tried to do a little bit more, even though I should have probably watched more movies, but I wanted to read Harry Potter. So, yeah. How much of it did you get through? On the plane, only like 10% because I'm reading it on my e-reader. So mm-hmm. I 10% um, and it's been good now because we don't have – our Airbnb doesn't have like a bedside table with a lamp. So when Jack goes to bed, I can turn the big light off and still read on my e-reader. So mm-hmm. I'm a bit further through and Harry's just had his hearing for his um, use of the Patronus charm. But already there's so much. I was like oh, – there's so much that gets cut out in the movie, obviously. Yeah. And I'd sort of forgotten because I haven't read this in like 10, 15, maybe years. Maybe? No. Surely not 15 years. yet. No, 10 years. So I probably I haven't read it in that long. Yeah, it would be about 10 years. Um, yeah. Because it's my least favourite and it's so long, but I am enjoying going back to it. Um, and given it's on e-reader as well, I can't see how long it is. So we're all good. <laughs> so I've been reading How It Feels to Float. Um, I'm always finished it. Um, and we've had a lovely chat with Helena. So everyone stay tuned for that. But, oh, my God, isn't it just so beautifully written? Like, it's such a beautiful book. Yeah. I don't really know what other words to use. It's just really beautiful. Yeah, I think um, raw would be the one word. Yeah, that's a good one too. Yeah, it's so beautiful. Yeah, but I'm really interested also, like I really like the fact that the story has changed a lot. Um, You know, like there's, I'd say like I'm not finished yet. I'd say I'm, I'm on like the fourth phase sort of of the story and I think there may even be one more which, you know, it's not just one thing, I guess, that's happening. There's a few different things that happen. I don't really know. I don't want to explain it too much because I don't want to give it away. So It's definitely one of those books that's character-driven rather than plot-driven, but there is a really good plot too. Mm. It's funny, though, when I started it, I thought maybe in the first chapter I was like, this is going to go in a certain direction, and I was okay with that, but then it completely went totally the opposite and I was like oh okay all right and it almost it's like I thought that too and it almost does go in that direction and then it completely changes it's like a train changing tracks and then it swaps back like swaps to something else and then turns a corner and does something else so but 
none of that no, is a crazy that. way that's yeah it doesn't when you're reading it you're not like oh my god what the hell's happening it's like it just feels yeah. natural um and just not predictable in any way yeah but then when you think about it it's like oh yeah there's been a few different things happening so but yeah I'm really really enjoying it and yeah just been I don't know I'd gotten so <laughs> for a second there I got really bad with like reading again because I read so many books when I went away for Easter and then in May I've read like nothing and I've been watching like heaps of TV because all these TV shows got new series added on Netflix. So I've watched Schitt's Creek, Santa Clarita Diet. I finally finished watching Yeah. You would love it, honestly. You need to watch it. I literally said to Jack this morning, when can we finish watching Santa Clarita Diet? He's like, when we finish watching Great British Bake Off because that's what we've been binging. Well, I've been so everyone I got sick on the plane and so my first few days in England have been me snotting up the room that we're staying in and watching Great British Bake Off on Netflix which is very good to watch when you're sick because it just makes you feel happy um also makes you feel hungry but uh, (laughs) yeah no it's good it's good we will watch it eventually um I watched some really good things on the plane what did you watch on the plane well, I finally watched Crazy Rich Asians. <gasps> it's so good. It's so amazing. Yes. Loved it. Yeah, so I really want to read the books now, I think, especially because some of the people I've talked to after watching the movie were like, yeah, the movie was great, but the book's even better, and, of course, that makes me want to read it. And it was yeah. funny. I was watching the movie thinking, where would the rest of the books go? Like, I don't know if they're companion novels or if they're – the same people well from my understanding having not read the other two the second one focuses on is it Astrid Nick's sister yeah yes oh good I thought that's where it was it's like yeah Yeah. it's like it goes over to her love story sort of thing yeah is it oh good cousin I don't yeah but, again, in the first book, like, you know, again, with so many characters in a story like that, like, there's just more depth, which you always get from the book that can't always translate to the movie. But the movie does a really good job, I think. I was just – it was so much fun. And, you know, I'm not the biggest rom-com watcher, but I like something that has still, like, genuine – like, I really don't like frivolous romantic movies – so unless I know what you mean it just almost seems a bit silly to say that crazy rich Asians isn't frivolous because the whole kind of point is that they're crazy rich yes but (laughs) (laughs) I meant in terms yeah I meant in terms of the story like there's still so much emotion and heart with um you know Nick's family and the whole idea of like do you put family first or your own love first and I just thought that was really it was really beautiful and I just yeah yeah I want to see more movies like that it was wonderful and more diverse movies like that um, that, that and not just like I know we could seek them out if we wanted to but more Hollywood movies that are mainstream yes Yes, I loved that. Um, and on that topic as well, I also watched The Hate You Give. <gasps> yes, I have it. I need to read it. It's also, I don't think the movie was ever released in the cinema in Little Old Rockhampton, so I don't just think it was. somewhere else. No. Yeah. I'm sure it's out. Like, yeah. I don't know. Well, it was on the plane, so it's definitely out. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Good point. Um, I had borrowed the book to read before we left, like at the start of the year, and it just was one that I didn't get around to because we've been mm-hmm. reading, both of us have been reading a lot for the podcast lately. Yeah. So my reading was sort of taken up with that and I didn't get around to it. But, oh, my God, like talk about mainstream diverse movies. This was amazing. Um, the actress who played Star was incredible. And, I mean, everyone. Amanda, oh, what's her name? Amanda Stelberg or something like that. She was in The Hunger Games and 
everything, everything. Oh, okay. Yeah. And something else. She's been in, like, it's one of these things that's, like, she's been in a few of these, like, YA adaptations. Oh, like, yeah. Who was doing, who was that? Oh, yeah, Sinead Woodley, who was, like, in the stuff. And then, like, she just was doing a few of those. That's funny. Um, And it's weird, though, because it's got Archie in it from Riverdale. Does it? I didn't know KJ Apple was in that movie. Yeah, but oh. he's like dyed black hair, and I'm like, oh my god, we've gone from overly dramatic dyed red hair to dyed black hair, and it just looks weird. Okay. Like, yeah, because his hair never looks natural. Like, I'm just like, I can. Oh, anyway, he was good in it. Um, <laughs> he was a bit annoying, but he was good. <laughs> but I was. It was hard to see him as Archie at first. I'm like, oh, it's Archie. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, the whole the whole cast was amazing. That story though, oh my god! Like, so I was already tired, already emotional because I've just moved away from everyone I know. So we were on the plane, and I was like, Jack, I'm so upset. Like this movie is so sad. Uh, it, I mean, it built. It, it's funny because it like tears you down, then builds you back up because there is hope there as well. But oh my god, some moments like I, I just like kept saying I was like oh Jack I need a break from this movie like oh like when the food came out, I was like oh, I can't keep watching it let's just talk for a bit because I can't keep watching it it's yeah it's a real like punch it's amazing um and then this is the last movie I watched was Instant Family with oh, Mark that looks Mark. really funny yeah, so now I'm regretting not seeing it in the cinema with Jack because I was most of the way through it. Then I was like, oh, Jack, you would have loved this movie. But the reason I wanted to watch it is because I know that Eliza Schlesinger had a cameo in it. Oh, right. I forgot. Yes. <laughs> so that's how I heard about it. That's how I heard about it. And so I was like, oh, i got to watch this because Eliza's in it. It was so good. It was so good. Um one of those funny family movies but with so much emotion and heart so they become foster parents and they become foster parents to a teenager and her two younger siblings so they become an instant family and it really deals with some pretty complex emotions with lots of humor and Eliza's character is really funny she's only on there for a few minutes but oh my god she's funny but then at the end, they had actual real photos of foster families and adopted stuff, and that was really beautiful. So it just had, it was really uplifting and funny, and yeah, Mark Wahlberg and Rose Byrne were really great in that. And also, because I've done no research ever, um, the the kids who played the, the young girl and boy, and then the teenage girl, they were all great. They were all amazing. So I really enjoyed that. Um, and then the other thing I watched that was new to me, which you've been telling me to watch, and I can see why, was Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. <gasps> did you just love it? It's so, so good. I did, but they only had three episodes on the plane. Oh, I've seen all two seasons. <laughs> oh, see, I think I might get Amazon Prime just to watch Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Honestly, it's worth it. Because, <laughs> so on Amazon Prime... I've watched Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. I think you would also like Red Oaks. There's been a few other shows on there that I don't know if I'd necessarily recommend to you, but Marvelous Mrs. Maisel is incredible. It's so good. So can we just talk about the fact that her husband is such an asshole? Like, that was infuriating me. I was just I like, know. dick. Yeah, especially in the first couple of episodes, but you kind of grow to, like... <laughs> He comes. He becomes a little bit lovable, I think. <laughs> I know, but I mean, I guess that, that would happen. But um, I was just like, you are just weak. I don't like you. Like you I just no spine. Yeah, I know, right? Whereas she's just like gutsy out there. Like I just loved her, but she's I did find it a so great character. Like I find it. Uh, the music's great. Um. I like the little, like, I love my favourite thing so far in it was the scene where they're doing the exercise and just the way that that's filmed and coordinated and everything is just so clever. It just, yeah, really, really clever. But the exercises are so ridiculous. 
Yeah, like their little exercise class. It sort of reminded me of the Stepford Wives. No. Well, they have this little thing and they're doing their, like, dainty female exercises and they're like, oh, spin cycle, ladies. Like, it's it sort of reminded me of that, like, exercise for females. Like, so you don't actually sweat. Like, it's, yeah. Yeah. It's so funny and ridiculous. Um. Yeah, definitely. I definitely want to watch that now. It looks amazing. Um, and then I just watched Brooklyn Nine-Nine too because they had a select few episodes on the plane. They had like six episodes. So I put that on and then kept reading Harry Potter just because I was like, oh, this cool. is comforting. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's almost really annoying when you then are not watching a movie on the plane because then all you hear is the plane and it's like, Ugh. you just yeah. need something. So, yeah, you need something comforting and familiar like, Nine nine. <laughs> but I kept being like, ah, Jack, this is funny. This is funny. This funny bit. Like, like I hate you. You're oh, a yeah. Pet. yeah. <laughs> um, and since I got here, I finished a book yesterday. Um, so I finished a book called The Paper and Heart Society by Lucy Powery, who we had on the podcast, and who would say is a friend of the show. Yeah, we had her on ages ago. Oh my goodness. We had her I'm on. So excited to read that. Contract. Is that where we had her on? Mhm. Oh, well, that's exciting. Because yeah. we <laughs> her about it because she didn't have it then. Yeah. Oh my goodness. I'm so excited to read it though. It looks like sounds like such a adorable, fun, light-hearted, but wonderful book. Yes, and I think anyone who is um, fond of this podcast and us talking bookish things and friends talking bookish things and us playing Harry Potter games is going to find it fun because yeah. that's the essence of the bookish friendship in the book. It's basically all about finding people who are just as weird as you and enjoy doing weird things like bookish Harry Potter quizzes and stuff like that. <laughs> Not that there's nothing wrong with that at all, but it's just very much like, yeah, if you if you like hearing us, ramble on about books and shit then you're gonna love this book it's delightful I'm very proud of Lucy yeah well I think you know it's one of those books that's like um I guess similar to the book ninja in a way that it's like a bit of a love song to readers yeah absolutely yeah and the sort of book that like we as 15 year olds probably would have really really loved (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm so excited to read that one. That one's next, I think. Yeah, it will be a really lovely weekend. You should read it after your aerial comp. Yeah. (laughs) So, yes, I will have an update for this in the next podcast about how it all went. But um, in case you didn't know, everyone, I do aerials, which is silks and hoop. But specifically for this competition, I'm competing – for hoop so I'm doing a solo to look at me I'm Sandra D from Greece <laughs> and a doubles routine with my younger sister and we're doing a bit of a medley of songs from the Parent Trap soundtrack <gasps> yes I didn't know that oh are you, you didn't that one yes <laughs> so we have a bit of a Thing at the start when doing like our routine in three minutes is like sort of a bit of a story about like oh, you know we're here or whatever and then like oh my god who are you I hate you and then working together or whatever and then we've got the handshake and then yes. like a big dance thing at the end so yes Michelle will be anxiously waiting the videos of these routines <laughs> I'm so excited um, Sunday morning when I get to watch the routines <laughs> yeah <laughs> Yeah, so um, I will probably be putting up some videos and stuff on my story of the routines. So we'll see. It's going to be so much fun, though. But I'm sore and have bruises everywhere for training and practicing (laughs) for this comp. (laughs) Oh, I'm so excited for you. You're going to be really amazing. Thanks, Michelle. (laughs) I'm just sad that I can't come to you on in person. That's all right. I'll just send you the video. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> um, speaking of things right. going to be good, 
we are very excited about our interview today. Yes, we are. We're finally releasing this one into the world. Seems like so long ago that we chatted to Michael. I know. Speaking of delightful people, oh, Michael is an absolute doll. We loved him so much. Yeah. So we hope you love him too. week we're welcoming a writer, editor and bookseller with a passion for diverse children's and young adult literature. He's studied early childhood teaching and children's literature so he can better be better equipped to write about and sell books for young readers. He's also part of an incredible new Love Oz YA anthology, Underdog Short Stories, and is editing another short story anthology full of queer Love Oz YA stories which will be released in coming months. Welcome to Better Words, Michael Earp. Hi, thanks for having me. Thank you so yeah, much pleasure. for joining us. We both, That's fine. Yeah, we both read um, your story in Underdog and we're like, oh my God, it's so cute. <laughs> it is so lovely and sweet. It is, I mean, the, you know, like lovely, sweet, contemporary YA that's just like right up our alley. Yeah. We yeah. live for those stories. And basically wrote the the cuteness that I want in my own life so yeah oh, yes. feel that yeah <laughs> um so I guess the best place to start before we talk specifically about your story would be underdog itself and how you got involved in that anthology um well I it was there was a general call out um for submissions uh it was the parameters where you just had to write for young adults and be an Australian and be unpublished and so at the time I was all of those things and um, saw the the call out going around social media and so thought well I can do that and I even had a story ready to go um, because interestingly I had written meet and greet which is the story in Mm -hmm. underdog intending to put it in Kindred, uh, but then due to an editorial choice of my own for Kindred, I decided to write something else for that. And so I had a story sitting there. And so when I saw Underdog be advertised, I thought, well, I don't even have to do the work for this. I've got this ready to go. <laughs> I set it up. And, yeah, I was lucky enough to be one of the 12 stories selected, which is thrilling. It's great. Yeah, I just, I think it's such an amazing idea and I know Underdog only just came out, but I do hope it's something that, you know, can continue and it can, you know, continue to share new batches, new unpublished writers because, like, what a cool idea to, you know, just share a short story and um, definitely I think in this case in the first round of the 12 of you who were chosen you know there were so many familiar names yes, for a lot bloggers. of us yes. and bloggers oh, and yeah, <laughs> that we know and so I think that we're was very cool. active online so. <laughs> so that was really fun but I was so impressed and we aren't going to go into underdog too much because we have a second episode with Tobias but yeah. we were both so impressed with the quality of the writing mm-hmm. and like I'm just so excited for the future of young adult literature in this country if these these are our like previously unpublished writers it's just so exciting yeah yeah I think it's such a strong collection and um really varied in what everyone is offering as well Um, yeah some of those stories really took me by surprise um I mean I guess I was caught up in my own head with uh my own story that was in it and kind of just assumed there'd be a lot of contemporary realism Mm. but there's actually a really good mix of very different genres and styles uh, in underdog and so it's um it's a great thing to be a part of it's a great thing to be in the world and like it really is all down to Tobias and the underdog team because it's Tobias's dream and hard work and money that um he sunk into this project and so you know kudos to him to getting it out there in the world definitely it's a it's a fantastic project um but let's go back to you 
um, yep. and your really gorgeous story. So we've been gushing about it, but for people who haven't read it, it's basically like a bookstagram meet cute. Um, so why did you want to like do a new sort of bookish bookstagram spin on a classic, you know, meet cute story? Um, I guess it came about because I had just spent a wonderful day at Melbourne Writers' Festival myself. Um, Mm -hmm. It was 2016? No, 17. I'm mixed up. I think it's 16. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 2016. Um, The year that David Levithan came out for Melbourne Writers' Festival. Mm -hmm. And so I had just basically done what, um, the main character um, had done, it, which is go to a Melbourne Writers' Festival event and meet his literary idol. So <laughs> I had seen David Levithan speak and then queued to get my books signed. And by books, I mean I had a green bag full of about 20 <laughs> of I stacked them up on the table and was like, don't mind me, I'm just obsessed with you. Um, And (laughs) so, and then after that, I had spent a wonderful afternoon with friends. Uh, We went to a cafe in DeGrave Street. I ate hot chips and drank hot chocolate. And I just came away from it thinking that was such a lovely day. Yeah. Imagining a short story was sort of structured around that and... Um, and interestingly, that I find this fascinating, funny, because, particularly because when I wrote it, wrote that story, I had kindred in mind for it. Mm-hmm. But um, it was like not that this particular Instagram relationship was flirty or anything like that, but I had known Tobias very vaguely through Instagram and had that was the sort of seed for the Instagram meet cute part of it because I was like what if there was someone that you knew a little bit online and then but you met them in real been. life yeah yeah and because you both like the same sort of things books in this case and so I um that's how that element of the story worked its way in and then by the turn of events it was Tobias who then published this particular <laughs> But you know what, I love, I love that, that so yeah. much because, like, we have this experience as well and, I, I mean, totally platonic relationships. But, I mean, I've literally gone overseas to stay with someone I've only met through Twitter. Like, it's, it just blows my mind the more that we start talking about these things, how mm. many of my friends, and I would say, you know, I tell people in real life, I'm like, oh, my friend, my friend's such and such. And they're like, oh, how did you meet? I'm like, Instagram. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, like we, we would consider so many people we know on Instagram to be our friends. And yet we might have met once or, you know, we might have yeah. been chatting and considered them a friend long before we met. It's just, it's like the new millennium version of pen pal friends. Yeah, absolutely. When I went to America last year, I met one guy who I'd known on Twitter for seven years. Wow. Um, and we had met uh, online because I was tweeting about my master's thesis, um, which was I wrote um, I wrote a young adult novel for my master's thesis, and mm. I was and it was um it was all about it was a um, queer YA with um sort of looking at religion and sexuality and that sort of thing. And so I was tweeting about mm. that. And then this guy, um, uh, he had done his PhD on exactly the same topic. Oh. And so we ended up like sharing our theses with each other and giving each other feedback and stuff. And so we'd been friends for years online. And then we finally met when I went to a children's book selling conference in New Orleans and he didn't go to that because he's not a bookseller, but um, he works in the world of like libraries and the American Library Association. So our conference was directly following the children's book selling one. And so we had one night in New Orleans together where we had dinner and hung out all night. And then like now we chat all the time. It's brilliant. That's awesome. That's so cool. 
Yeah. I just, I love these stories. Oh, I know. Like, I love bookish friendship stories. Like, yeah. I mean, that's how I became friends with Grace Mm. um, as well. And, like, met her in London. And she, when she was in Australia, we ended up being on the same plane together, which was bizarre coincidence. I know. I still can't believe that. Yeah, that was super weird. So, we had the same plane from Dubai to Brisbane. And then when she was in Brisbane, I took her book shopping. And then when we visited the UK again, we um, stayed near her place. And now we're moving to the same sort of area that she's in. Because we're like, well, at least we have one friend. <laughs> yeah, that's just it. Yeah. Like, you get, to know, you get to know people online. And, like, I have other friends that I met through Instagram because I posted a, a photo of um, – uh, a, a Philip Pullman event that I was at. Like, Philip Pullman wasn't even there. He was being telecasted in. But <laughs> because of this photo that I posted, someone who had been following me but never interacted with me up until that point was like, oh, my God, I love him. And I'm like, so do I. And now we chat almost every single day. It's and when I was in New York, of people... oh, it was great. Yeah, yeah. It's so awesome. I mean, you know, bef- pre I guess, Instagram friends and, you know, using the internet to talk to people outside of, you know, my town or whatever. I have always said that most of my current friendships are based on Harry Potter. You know, like we become friends with people because we have similar interests and everything. And it's just, it's just awesome that it can happen with anybody anywhere in the world. Exactly. Yeah. So I love that your story celebrates that. It's beautiful so beautiful um so that sort of answered my next question which was your experience of the bookish community online but would you say that that bookish community has changed your reading habits um in some ways I think it does like I mean my reading habits have been so uh strangely dictated my whole life well not my whole life but for seven years I worked for um, Walker Books as one of their sales reps Mm -hmm. and I prided myself on being a rep that had read most of what I was selling so I did a lot of reading that was just what Walker was publishing and I would like maybe once a month be fitting in a book that um, wasn't a Walker book. But, uh, yeah, so for seven years of my life, I had my reading fairly well planned out for me and, yeah, squeezed in other things when I could. Since yeah. moving back to book selling and I'm like, now I can choose whatever I want. <laughs> uh, it's like it's one thing to say that because I can choose from all the publishers now without being, you know, uh, frowned upon but <laughs> at the same time I have all of the sales reps that see me pushing the new releases on me saying oh you really have to read this you really have to read this and so there's this expectation from all of the publishers to keep up to date with all of their key new releases yeah and so now I feel that pressure <laughs> and part of me is like I'm just gonna buck against that and read whatever the hell I want whenever <laughs> I want because yeah. I just can't handle it um but then it's also really bizarre with the whole instagram bookish community like yeah reading all the hyped books at the same time as everyone else yeah and i usually avoid hype if if a book's being hyped i'm like not for me yes. not for me okay yes. oh my god <laughs> years later i'll be like okay i'll see what it's like yeah. oh i like god. make it my mission to ignore it like yeah i'm like no nah, not for me I know, but then she's just super late to the party, basically. Yeah, basically. <laughs> I mean, that's like I read Illuminate two years after everyone was raving about it, and I'm like, that was so much fun. <laughs> I probably should have read that when everyone else did. But anyway, um, but I love like it's really fascinating when I have people come into the shop and like I'll be serving them, helping them find a book or whatever, and then they'll be like, ah. Oh, I follow you on Instagram because <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, oh, my God, how personal do I get in my Instagram? And, like, I mean, I don't get too personal, but then they know my reading habits and they know what I like 
through my Instagram and here I am pushing things in the shop as well. So, um, yep. yeah, it's a great community to be a part of. I love it. It is. And, you know, I agree with you there. I even still get shocked sometimes when people are like, oh, no, I'm like, I've listened to your podcast. Even like, you know, other, like other best friends or my roommate or my family or something, they're like, oh, yeah, no, I've listened. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, even though they're the people who know me best in the world, I'm still like, oh, what have I said? Yeah. Even though I'm <laughs> happily broadcasting it to the rest of the internet. Yeah. But- there's there's beautiful thing in the am and and anonymity i can't get that word out of my mouth right now (laughs) and then me social media where you're like you know people are looking but you don't know those people per se and like when someone is standing in front of you going yes i was reading everything that you've put on your blog i'm like oh wow (laughs) immediately goes back to check old posts yeah yeah Yeah. Um, obviously you're having a huge year because you've got Underdog that's just been released and you've gone through all the launch parties for that. But pretty soon you're also about to launch Kindred, which is that queer Love Oz YA anthology we mentioned in the intro. Um, and you're editing it, which is really exciting, but obviously a lot of work. So tell us a bit about that and how you got involved. Um, Kindred was a dream of mine that I concocted in 2016, um, 16, no, 17, there we go, <laughs> um, because I had, uh, at the time I was the chair of the Love Way A committee, um, I was a volunteer as a part of that committee and had recently become chair when Danielle Binks had stepped down um, and she was just experiencing her success with the release of Begin and Begin, um, the first sort of Love Oz Bay anthology. And so that was out in the world. And so I remember exactly when I started thinking about Kindred because I was at the launch of Begin and Begin and Danielle, obviously being the previous chair of the Love Oswaye community, uh, committee, and me being the current one, lots of people came up to me at that launch and was like, this is great. When are, are you editing the next one? <laughs> oh, <laughs> pressure. Unrelated things. Being the chair of the committee and editing an anthology is not the same. Yeah, they don't go hand in hand. <laughs> So Danielle had done a lot of work getting Begin and Begin out into the world um, of her own accord and working with her publisher in order to do that. And the fact that she also volunteered on the Lovell's Way committee was, you know, almost completely separate to that. It's just they had to use the same hashtag and so people saw them as being one and the same. And so everyone asking me, like, I had never considered editing anything before because I don't think of myself as an editor. Um, but when everyone was asking me this, I was like, yeah, what What if I did? Like, Good idea. <laughs> yeah. Um, but if I did, me being me, I would want it to be a dedicated queer one because I just usually when I see something I like in the world. I'm like, okay, I like that. How can I make it gay? Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, so that's when I started plotting. And then it was a month, I think, later, maybe two months later, that I went to the Reading Matters Conference that mm-hmm. the State Library of Victoria holds. And um, that was just mind blowing for me. Um, Adele Welsh had done the programming for it and she had smashed it out of the park that year. It was such a brilliant conference and I just felt alive on every level coming away from that. And it was at Reading Matters that I was like, yes, the world needs more diverse voices. Mm -hmm. What can I do to help that? And so I really started brainstorming who I would ask to be in a lover's way Um, anthology that was queer focused and um, just started dreaming up 
my wish list of authors. And then um, I actually, that w- I started dreaming that up with the help of Danielle and um, Nicola Santilli, who turned out to be my editor on Kindred as well. Um, mm-hmm. She helped me write from the beginning, um, putting the pitch together. And so then I just started pitching publishers until I got an offer uh, and then then the work began after all. <laughs> yeah, then yeah. the real work starts. <laughs> yeah. And if you want if you wanna like clock a few um, hundred thousand words in emails, then you know, edit an anthology. It's, <laughs> it's a great way to get your word count up. <laughs> Even if not, a, not what you're thinking of creative word count, but um yeah all a whole lot of emails yeah emails make the world turn (laughs) wow um and so who are some of the authors who were involved and you know how many of them were on your initial dream list right um oh if i knew that question was coming i would have found maybe it's sorry we will we will link of course but yes no, that's all right. I think I've got my notebook where I wrote my initial. Yeah, here it is, my reading notes. It'll be here somewhere. And so, although this sounds terrible, like I don't know if I should name the the, the ones that made the original cut. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can keep them anonymous, but, um, you know, is it still quite quite similar or have you expanded it or...? Uh, so five, well, if you count me, cause I was always going to contribute. <laughs> you were always on the list. Yeah. Um, six of the, of my original wish list or just brainstorming list. Actually, it was just that if I could ask anyone, who would I ask? And so six of the 12 are on that original list. That's so cool. That's amazing. That's <laughs> really cool. Yeah, um, that's pretty cool. And proof that if you um, have a big dream, you can make it happen. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and so the complete contributor list as it stands, for those who don't know, because this is, I'm just so proud of this list of contributors. I think it's brilliant. Um, we've got Jax Jackie Brown, Claire G. Coleman, Alison Evans, Aaron Goff, Benjamin Law, Omar Saka, Christos Tolkis, Ellen Van Nieuwen, Marley Jane Ward, Jen Wilde, and Never Zizem, as well as myself. What a lineup. I know. It's brilliant. <laughs> it's really, really exciting. It's so exciting. You must be getting so excited now that, you know, I, guess, I suppose, I don't want to say the journey is like coming to an end, but, you know, we're almost, you know, it's almost out <laughs> in the world. <laughs> Um, you say that, but uh, there's a whole lot of work going on. Yeah. Like, for example, um, it, it about a month ago, yeah, at the beginning of March, it went to print, mm-hmm. and that was an amazing moment, and I had a little bit of a cry. Yeah, and then, <laughs> just to know that, oh, yes, we're, we've gone to print. Um, I can stop stressing about that side of things now. And now I'm like, oh, yes, going forward. Because um, not only am I planning one of the more extravagant book launches that I've ever known, um, (laughs) uh, but also, and that's proving to be a lot of work for me, which is fine. It's a, you know, thing of passion and I just want this to be a, huge celebration um but also um i was awarded an australia council of the arts grant to to uh, a selection of the authors to writers festivals around australia okay, and so um, yeah my work is cut out for me in that mm-hmm. regard because Speaking of emails, there's lots of negotiating who's going to which festival and who's paying for what and um, and how can I get kindred in front of as wide an audience as possible. Yeah. Um, you know, that so sounds that like a lot of work. 18 months of my life. So. Wow. Yeah. 
<laughs> yep. Okay. So the work's not over. Never mind. <laughs> so you know, you did just say like that getting this book out there with all the festivals in front of a big audience. So why do you think a book like Kindred is so important in making queer stories more accessible and more part of like the mainstream um, culture? Well, um, I mean, there's that that thing you hear over and over and over from lots of different authors who say, I just, I wrote the book that I wanted to have when I was a teenager. Mm. And, like, I have a similar story where I did not, um, I did not read any books with queer characters in it as teen- as a teenager. And it wasn't until I was in my early to mid-20s that I actually started discovering queer fiction at all. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to know that we're now in a place where, um, I mean, I don't want to say that these books are being published for queer teens because there has been queer YA um, as far back as the 80s and 90s. It just probably wasn't as widely spread as it could have been. Mm-hmm. Um, and so now that this is something that people are actively engaging with and actively collection building as far as school libraries are concerned, as far as public libraries are concerned, bookshops having dedicated sections and, you know, all of that sort of thing. Um, It's great that I can just have something that is so clearly branded as queer YA. Like, there's no escaping what's going on with my book. (laughs) It's real clear. (laughs) It's in your face. Um, But uh, at the same time, it's, it is for everyone. Um, we have that stunning quote on the cover from um, from Lily Wilkinson that says, wait one second, where did it go? Um, it just says that it's beautiful, fresh and exciting. It's a book for everyone. And I love that so much because another th- another one of my sort of personal mission statements or, you know, motivations, I guess, is um, something that I find myself saying a lot, that if uh, straight people read as many queer stories as queer people have been forced to read straight stories, the world would be a very different place. Oh, my God. Um, That's so true. Yeah. Yeah. Like, it, and it's not just books too. It's um, TV and movies. Like, the amount of straight storylines that we're just fed endlessly um and i mean you know i i understand the law of majorities and all of that but that's not the point um the point is that's how we've had to we've had to try and work out am i the like in this scenario that i'm watching or reading do i identify more with the boy or the girl and or whatever and like that like queer queer existence just stretches so far beyond that and so I'm really glad that I can add to what is out there in the world and have straight people read it as well as queer people of all kinds yeah definitely my god yeah no just what you said then I'm like oh my god the math I hadn't thought about before (laughs) like obviously we know that those stories are more more common or whatever in the media in mainstream media but Yeah. When you think when you think back on how many you've read that have have just been purely straight up straight stories mm-hmm. uh, without making a conscious I mean, decision to diversify our reading. Yeah. Because we're yeah. part of a community that, you know, is very in tune with what's happening. Like if I think of what I was reading before, yeah. uh, before Bookstagram and before like just as a general reader based on going into a bookshop and seeing yeah, what or, was there? Or whenever yeah. it was at the top of the bestseller yeah. list, or you know, even yeah, books is one thing, but then you think about you know movies and TV shows and mm. things like that that just kind of get thrown at you, and you just are around and everything. The math is, and the other thing, um, insane. And I mean, we can't speak too much about this because we are obviously you know, are white straight. straight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but I know the other thing that is often talked about is even when you do have queer stories in mainstream TV shows or movies or anything like that, 
sometimes those stories can not be as diverse like they just um you know create a stereotype then mm-hmm. whereas you know straight stories are always you know there's always a different version or whatever but yeah. there just seems right. to sometimes just box in you know different types of gay people and that's all you see on tv mm-hmm. so yeah that it is good to, thing of yeah. like you know there's more than one story mm. yeah 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 absolutely um there is there is not one way of being queer mm. and the other thing I would love to say like I know I can't speak to it much as a you know cis white man but um like this is also all other kinds of uh diversity and mm. identity and um like people of color and disability and all of those types of things um like I need to be actively reading more voices more widely as well in those regards, not just the queerness. And yeah. It's just it's an all-rounder thing, basically. But um, speaking on this, we've got another beautiful uh, endorsement quote from Alison Whitaker. Mm-hmm. Um, and I won't read the whole thing, but there is a sentence in it that says, these dozen stories don't capture a singular queer and or trans voice on this continent, yet they harmonise in a way that draws us in, into the choir. Oh my yeah, God. yeah that's, that's like the perfect example of what yeah. you're trying to create, isn't it? To yeah. yeah, have some representation but not say this is the only experience. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Oh, so beautiful. I'm so excited to see it on sh- Well, actually, you know what, I probably won't see it on shelves because I won't be in this country. Yeah, but, yeah, no, I'm excited to see it going everywhere and, yeah. She'll I'm... be very jealous when she starts to see <laughs> show up on all of our Instagrams and, yeah. you know, all the stories where it's, like, spotted in a bookshop. No. I love that. Oh, that's that's one right. of my favourite. You'll just have to tell all your UK friends to buy it. Even yeah. In I've already been doing that with Underdog, actually. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that has already been happening. <laughs> and, uh, I'll be sending her books that she can't get over there. Don't worry. Will you? Oh, this yeah. is good. Thank you. <laughs> we shall do swaps. Yes. Um, anyway, I think the other thing that we have time to chat because we are um, getting close to, I guess, the end of the episode. But um, on your website, you wrote that, you know, at first you kind of worried about cocooning yourself a bit too much in children's and YA. Um, but then you realise, you know, that's perfectly okay because it makes you genuinely really happy and motivated. Um, so I guess it'd be nice if you could expand on that a little bit more and tell us what it is about children's and YA that you do love so much. Um, see, it was never a conscious decision for me to move into this world. Um, it happened very organically. I was working at Borders, um, for those of you who remember Borders. Oh, I do um, remember them. <laughs> I was working at the Pitt Street Mall in Sydney store, um, the huge one in the city in the city centre, um, and it it was split over three levels, this particular store. And when I first started, I was working on all three levels, but the top floor was simply the children's section and the magazine section. And that was it. All adult literature was downstairs. Mm -hmm. Um, And just slowly but surely, I found that it was the kids' books that I was reading more of. It was um, that they were just more fun and I was engaged with them more. And so I started requesting more and more shifts on on that top floor. And before I knew it, I had become uh, what Borders called the children's specialist. And so all of my shifts were dedicated children's section shifts. And um, yeah, so for five and a half years, I just worked in the children's section of a massive bookshop and loved every minute of it. And in that time, I decided that I wanted to write for children. And so I wondered, do I, do I go and study writing and come out the other end as a penniless writer? <laughs> <laughs> That's how I envisioned it. Or do it's I not that far stuff? from the truth, though. <laughs> <laughs> Probably not. 
or do I study something that um, that would potentially give me a career that I can at least have a day job on the other side of? And so I decided what I would do is teaching because that way I'm learning about children and their development um, and when I came out the other end, I would at least be able to get a job as a teacher and try and fit my writing around it. I foolishly believed that teachers get these epic holidays that they have nothing to do <laughs> in and so I'd be able to write my extensive time off. Like I very quickly learned that that is not the case and anyone who thinks that is the case needs to really look at how much work teachers do and how underpaid they are for it. Um, but I also chose all of the creative writing electives that I could and then ended up doing my, my sorry, honours um, in children's literature too. I wrote and illustrated a picture book and wrote a dissertation on that picture book for my honours thesis. Um, and so, yeah, then I went on to study my master's in children's literature, which branched from picture books right through to young adult fiction. Mm -hmm. And like I said earlier, wrote a YA novel as part of my master's course. Um, and then, I, yeah, I got to a point where I, I realised that I had only read three or five adult books in the last six or seven years. Wow. And and how just so far removed I was from the world of adult books. And when anyone asks me anything about adult books, I get really anxious and clam up because I feel like I don't know anything about them and don't really have an interest in learning anything about <laughs> them. Terrible, I know. But um, then I realised when people were starting to ask me to come and talk at events from my bookseller's perspective, um, I realised that what I had done in my 15-odd years of nothing but children's literature, I was developing, like, I'm now an expert on some level on, um, you know, well, I know, I, I know what I'm talking about because it's literally been my life for 15 years. Yeah, um, oh, I'd say you're pretty qualified. <laughs> So, um, yeah, now I try not to get too hard on myself as having wasted my life reading children's books and realise that children's books are brilliant and they're entirely worthy of my time and the fact that I can um, dedicate my life to them in every way, shape or form at the moment, uh, like writing, reading, book selling, advocacy, you know, all of it, I'm... I'm really happy that I've gone the way that I have and I'm even more thrilled that I'm now getting to the point where I can contribute my own writing to that world. Absolutely. That's, that's just wonderful. And I do love the way you described all of that because I think sometimes, you know, I think it's getting, oh, it actually probably isn't getting less I'm completely losing what I'm saying. I was going to say that sometimes children's books and YA and everything can be seen as, you know, a bit silly or frivolous or, you Less know, oh, like, like adults shouldn't be reading these mm. books intended for teens. And I don't think that's going away. I think I'm just getting more involved in the world <laughs> where it is okay. Yeah. Um, yeah, you, no, I still, about that, though? I still have people, um, like, when you're, out meeting people for the first time who aren't from the world of books mm -hmm. and you tell them you read a lot and they're like, oh, what do you read? And you start listing things and they're like, I've never heard of these people. Yes. And you're like, well, it's because they're kids or YA books and they, you just get this, oh. Mm -hmm. And it's like, mm -hmm. I, as an adult, I feel entirely fulfilled by my reading. I do not feel like I am lacking anything from reading children's literature. There is just as many big ideas about the world, about the human condition, about how we relate to each other in children's books as there are in adult books. And I refuse to have anyone make me feel any less because this is what I enjoy reading and yes. this is what I get out of the world. Oh, my God, yes. Yeah. <laughs> 
You just phrased that so well. <laughs> yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. I want to frame that and put it on my wall. It's so good. Yes. Okay. I think that's the perfect note to end it on. Let's just all embrace who we are, embrace what we love and celebrate it and also never shame anyone else for liking what they like. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us, Michael. Um, hopefully everyone will be able to pick up a copy of Kindred in all good bookstores. Same with Underdog. Yeah. Um, but, yes, where can people find you specifically if they want to follow you online? So I blog at um, michaelerp.net and I'm on Instagram and Twitter at littleelfman.com. Oh, sorry, just littleelfman. That's my handle. There's no.com on the end of that. Um, and I just want to say that Kindred is out on June 1st. Thank you so much, Michael. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. Um, Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Bye. (laughs) Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Better Words. If you enjoyed it, we'd love it if you left a rating or review on iTunes. It really would mean the world to us. And you can also find us at our website, betterwordspodcast.com and on social media at betterwordspod on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter. Bye. Bye.